Matthew 22, 1 to 14, if you'd like to follow. That's chapter Matthew 22, 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But then, but they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his right, to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He enraged. He sent his army, destroyed the murderers, and buried their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets, gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But, then, but when the king came to, in to see the guests, he noticed the man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? Friend, the man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him, tie, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Good morning. So um, I have a question to start us off uh, this morning. Uh, How many of you still get excited about receiving regular mail? People are like, yeah, me, yes. Um, It's tough to be excited about getting regular mail, at least for me. Because what do we get? We get, like, unexciting things there, like bills or junk mail or, you know, sometimes traffic tickets. Those are not fun, right? But there is a piece of mail that that I like receiving, that I get excited about each and every time. And these are wedding invitations. I like them because they look so nice. Sometimes they smell good. And it's just the thought. You know, when I receive them, I think, well, somebody on their very special day wants me to come there, celebrate it with them. Right? Plus, what is there not to like about weddings? It's a celebration. There's going to be a lot of food and good company there. So it's all good stuff. Um, This morning, I'm going to talk to you about another parable from Jesus in which he likens the kingdom of God to a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. And this uh, sermon this morning is part of a series called the Parables of Jesus. We've been on this for a while, and I think we've done four so far. And just to give us a recap on what we've seen so far in our series, we looked into the parable of the sower in which we were reminded about the types of responses that people have 
when they come face to face with the word of God. We looked into the parable of the hidden treasure and uh, the pearl of great price in which we remembered and reminded, uh, we're reminded of the, 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 the amazing, tremendous treasure and value of the kingdom of God. And we uh, looked into the parable of the wheat and the tares. Uh, this parable has a lot of applications to it, but one of the things that I want us to remember about it is the, the compassion and the patience of God that uh, we also need to have for the people around us. And finally, last week, we looked into the parable of the two sons, in which we were reminded of the difference between saying and doing. And um, the lesson, and in this particular parable, we understood and were reminded once again that doing trumps saying any day. Right? So, today, we continue our parable with that particular uh, idea from the parable of the two sons. Uh, the call of God to enter his kingdom. The parable that we're going to talk about today is called the parable of the wedding feast. And in this particular parable, like I said earlier, Jesus contrasts his, uh, the kingdom of God to a wedding feast. And uh, in this particular analogy, we understand that the king is our God, the Father in heaven, who has prepared this wedding feast for us um, to, uh, to be equivalent to his kingdom. He wants us and invites us to his kingdom. And as we look into this parable today, for the few minutes that we have, I want us to think about one thing and answer it in your minds and in your hearts. And that thing is this. God invites us to come to his kingdom. And this is what I want you to think about the whole time that we're here. Will you come? Will you come and say yes to his invitation? So, uh, the way we're going to treat this parable is the same as last week. Last week, we looked into uh, the parable of the two sons uh, by looking into first the earthly story. That's what we're going to do today as well, as we look into the parable of the wedding feast. And then we're going to look into the application by looking into the heavenly meaning. What does it mean to us, this story? So first, let's look at the parable itself. The earthly story that Jesus spoke about. Matthew 22, verse 2, we read, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. I like this uh, start because we know exactly the type of event it's going to be. Right? It's not just some guy preparing a party for his son. It's a king. It's a king who is preparing a wedding banquet for the prince, for the future king. And uh, those who heard this story back then in Jesus' time knew that when the king prepares something, you, you would want to be there. You would want to miss it. And we see a modern-day example of that. We saw a modern-day example of that when, I, I believe, uh, Prince William and, uh, what's her name, the, the wife there, uh, Kate Middleton, when they got married, everybody tuned in on it. Everybody was excited about it because it was the prince getting married. It's the same similar thing here. The king is the king is preparing his son to be married and everybody would want to come, right? But back then wedding invitations were were done differently. There was the first invitation that goes out. And this first invitation that goes out is like it's like sort of a save the date 
type of invitation. It's like the king is preparing a wedding banquet on this day. Uh, will you come? And then at the end, it'd be like uh, details, uh, details to follow, something like that, right? Because I don't know why they did it that way, but there's always the first invitation, and on the day of the actual event, there's the second invitation saying, everything is ready, come to the feast. Right? But the first invitation went out, people said, yes, they're going to be there. Right? But the second invitation was yet to come. I don't know why they did that. Maybe because they didn't have any watches to synchronize themselves. Maybe they can't say 6 o'clock or 6.30. It's just they, they uh, on the day of the wedding, a second invitation would go out to say that the guests who had been invited were to come now. And that's what we see in Matthew 22, verse 3. He sent his servants to those who had been invited. And we know that this is the second one because he sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. Now's the time. It's ready. But in this particular verse, we see that the people who had been invited said, no, I'm not going to go. They refused. Have you guys had that happen to you? You invited somebody and they canceled. But this particular one, they just refused to come. Right? So the king in this particular story was a patient merciful and gentle king. We know that because in Matthew 22, verse 4, he sent another invitation. Maybe he thought, he thought, well, my servants, my messengers that went out, who uh, communicated the second invitation to my guests, probably were not very convincing. So what he did was he sent some more servants and said, tell those who had been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. What a patient king. Normally, they send two invitations, but they send, he sent a third invitation. So, uh, when the king invites you, when the king summons you, right, you go because he needs you. But when the king invites you to come to his son's wedding, you would want to go even more because it's not just work. It's not that you're in trouble. He actually wants to be sort of your friend or your companion. He wants to celebrate this special day with you. So what do these guests do with this third invitation? In Matthew 22, 5-6, we read, But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. And then in verse 6, it escalated really quickly. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. Uh, it sounds weird, but it tells us exactly the types of guests there were at this wedding. The first were the ones who made excuses. I'm not available. I got to go to my field and work. I have this business to take care of. I cannot think about your wedding right now, king. Can't. But what really strikes me about these individuals that made excuses was this. They paid no attention. Have you guys uh, had uh, experience uh, speaking to someone and they, didn't, they don't even recognize that you were talking to them? It's, it hurts. So I, and I feel that pretty much every day because I have kids, right? You know, unless I make eye contact with them, they're probably, probably going to ignore me. And even then, when they're making eye contact with me, they're probably just going to go. 
And then they'd go away somewhere and, and ignore me. They paid no attention to the king's messengers. And then in verse 6, there's another type of guest that is just outright rebellious. Maybe they're thinking, okay, king, you've told me once, you've told me twice, I told you no. Now you're telling me three times, I said no. And they let out their anger against his messengers. They harassed them and then they killed them. And we understand that this is, this was really about the Jewish people back in the day, in the Old Testament, where they rejected God, all the while killing his prophets. And also as they rejected Jesus, this is what they had done. Right? So, there was some crime that was done. But you know what? In Matthew 22, verse 7, we see that the king, he may be patient. He may be a gentle king, but he is not a pushover. He is the rule of the land, and he will uphold the law in his land. In verse 7 of Matthew 22, we read, The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. That's not going to stand. That was to be expected. Sometimes when we read this, oh, that's just mean. But that's expected. That's the king that we're talking about. You do not commit a crime and kill the king's messengers because they represent the king. What I find is really not ordinary is what happens next. This is what happens next. In Matthew 22, starting in verse 8, we read, Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. Normally, a normal king, a normal earthly king, would not really associate themselves or be in companionship with just the normal people. Right? But this particular king, he really wanted his wedding banquet filled. So he invited everyone. And we understand that this is uh, reminiscent of what happens in his kingdom with uh, the Jewish leaders saying no, gave way to us, the Gentiles. If you don't have Jewish blood in your, in your veins, you're a Gentile. I'm a Gentile. And it opened the way for us to come in. And this is what it is. It's amazing. But you know what? If the story had ended here, it would have been fine. We would have understood what's going on. But it didn't end here. It goes, it continues. Because Jesus wanted to tell us something else. Something more. Because there is something more to his kingdom than, than this. And the story goes that the king finds himself in the banquet. Everything is filled. All the people were there. And this happened. June, uh, sorry, Matthew 22, verse 11 and 12. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Now think about that. An event back then was as, was as extravagant as the host would permit. In this particular instance, it was the king. So the sky's the limit. Right? We get invitations today that say, 
you know, come to this particular event and it's going to tell you what the dress code is. Formal, semi-formal, business casual or casual, whatever, right? And then you come dressed as who you are. But this king says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell them what to wear. I'm going to give them what they're going to wear. Because what they're going to wear is probably not going to be, it's not going to be on at par with what I expect them to be wearing. I want it extravagant. So I'm going to give them their clothes. What? What a party. But I don't know about this guy. He was not wearing those clothes. I don't know what happened. Maybe he forgot. I don't know why he would forget. Maybe he was too stubborn to wear it, saying maybe my clothes are better than these clothes. Or maybe he just didn't care. But whatever it is, this is what happened to him in Matthew 22, verse 13. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside. He's not welcome here. Into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This particular king was an exacting king. His will will be done. And there are repercussions if it's not done. That's the earthly story. And for us today, we see right away, if we've been, if we, if we've been a Christian for a while, or even a new Christian, we understand the repercussions of that story. We understand the background of that story. Like I said earlier, the Jewish people in the day especially the leaders of the, of, of the religious uh, society of, of Israel in that time were the ones who specifically did not want Jesus to be there. They rejected God by rejecting Jesus. And this is the story that, uh, that, that, was, that was told them. And this is the story that we can glean a lot of information and lessons from today. So as we apply this into our lives today, the heavenly meaning. I just want to tell you two, two very important lessons today that we can get from this as we grow in our relationship with God. The first one is this. We need to be properly attired. God calls us to come. This call is universal. But even if it's universal, it's for everyone in the world, it is also individual and personal. I don't know about you, but when I, when I heard the gospel, I was at a place where it was bad. You know, God calls us just as we are, where we are at the time. But listen to this. Just as we are is not good enough for God. He may call us where we are at the moment, but who we are at the moment, just as I am, just as you are, is not good enough for him. We know this because he gives us clothes to wear, new clothes to wear. He tells us, your clothes are no good here. I need you to take them off and put these new clothes on. And we understand that these clothes that we wear into the kingdom is the righteousness of Jesus himself. We put on Christ. We forget about our old stuff and we put on Christ. And we know that and we see that especially in Galatians 3, 26 to 27. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Those are the clothes. Those are the clothes. What does that mean to clothe myself in Christ? What does that mean? Does that mean just an intellectual understanding of what God has done for me today? And I just think about that. It doesn't matter what I do. Or does it have a deeper, uh, more practical side to my life? Well, let's, let's see what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. When you get crucified, you die. Okay? If you get crucified, you die. I have been crucified with Christ and I'm, I'm dead. But I'm still moving around. I'm, I'm in front of you. Paul says, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does this faith look like? When we put on Christ, we say we live in faith. And that is what we need to do and put on in the church, in the kingdom, in the party, in the wedding banquet. That is what we need to attire ourselves with because that is what God tells us to wear. What does that mean? Paul tells us and gives us more information. Colossians 3, 1 to 3. This is what it means. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Putting on Jesus Christ means dying to Christ and being raised with Christ. And this is what it means. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What does it mean to put on Christ? What does it mean to be attired at the banquet? Set our minds on things above. Not on earthly things. And I love it because the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 verse 5 elaborates on this. And gives specific instructions to the Christians, to us. He says to put to death... Whatever belongs to our earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Put away sin. I love the, the opening prayer by Chris Johnson this morning. He prayed, help us to pray more and sin less. I love that. Now, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to ask you a question or a series of questions. And the purpose of this is to really get us to think, to challenge us, to improve ourselves, to better ourselves spiritually in our relationship with God. Face to face with this verse that we have in front of us. And I want you to answer in your mind and in your heart. And the question is this. Are any of us here in this room Living such a life that it involves having sex outside of marriage. Is there anyone here in this room, me included, all of us, live 
live, uh, are living a life in such a way that pornography is a constant part of that life. If the answer is yes, I implore you, I encourage you to stop, to, to leave that, that, that life today. Today, not tomorrow, not next week, today. And turn back to God. Because those are not the clothes that he wants us to wear. Those are the old clothes that we were wearing before. And he wants us to wear Christ today. But Paul is not done yet. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, he continues. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. I'm going to ask you some more questions. And again, I want us to really dig deep. And instead of being angry, being rebellious, being upset, being, being, and being rebellious, I want us to take that knock on the door of our hearts and open it for Christ. And the questions are this. With this malice and lying, this demonstrates, these demonstrate themselves in our lives in many different ways. At work, in school, in our personal lives. And the answer is this. And the question is this. Are there any of us here in this room that's maybe involved in unwholesome business practices at work? Or maybe some of us here in this room um, like harbor wrath and anger and bad intentions against people around us like our spouses or our children. Or our neighbors, or our brothers and sisters in Christ. If the answer to, the, to those questions is yes, again, my encouragement to all of us is to stop today. Stop and turn around, leave these sins at the feet of Jesus, and go back to Him. Because these are not the clothes that we are to wear. It is Christ that we need to wear. But many times this putting off and putting on of our clothes, right? Makes, Satan makes it so hard for us. Satan, our enemy, makes it so hard for us. Because he deceives us. Especially to those of us who have put on Christ already. You know what he wants to do? He wants us to take off Christ as our clothing, slowly but surely, and put on our old clothes back, all the while being in the party, being in the banquet, being in his kingdom, being in his church. That is what he wants us to do. You know, I'm a member of the verse of the day uh, that Miles and Alicia started. I love it. I love waking up to them. I love reading them in the morning where, where Miles puts on like a verse. And then his thoughts on that verse. The verse yesterday, 
eloquently puts exactly what I wanted, what I wanted to do, uh, what, I, what I wanted to do next or say next, uh, with, in, in regard to this putting on and putting off Christ in our old selves. And I screen captured it from my phone. It's right here. This is from Miles. And he writes, I'm convinced that one of Satan's most effective strategies for pulling Christians away from God is to keep them distracted with anything. And then he gives examples. Work, hobbies, sports, TV, social media, family, consumerism, etc. So that they don't get to the point where they are in, in a fully committed relationship with God. Do you guys see that? He wants, Satan wants us to be in a point in our lives where we don't become, uh, we don't get to the point where we are fully committed to God in our relationship. That is what he wants to do. He wants us to come in here and say, well, you know, you're not wearing Christ, but it's okay. Go in your own clothes. You're good. See, the, the man in our parable, the man whom the king approached, said, why are you not wearing my clothes? He was speechless. Do you think he knew why he didn't have clothes? Like he was looking around like everybody else is wearing these clothes. And he wasn't, do you think he like, there's this, you know, there's this danger, there's this alert that came up in his mind. Hey, I'm not wearing clothes, maybe I should wear clothes. But that's the work of Satan. We come and we're not attired, but it's okay. But it's not okay. Miles gives us one of the ways in which he, 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 he deals with this and he manages this in his life. He says, one way I've found useful to fight against this is to remember that my relationship with him isn't a part of my life. It's not just a part of my life. It needs to be my whole life. I need to constantly reflect on what my heart is tied up with on a daily basis and make corrections when necessary. This is it. But then Jesus invites us to his banquet. And some people say, no. Some people say, I'm too busy. Some people rebel. I told you no already. And are belligerent to the people that send them the message. And the second thing that I really want to quickly tell you about this parable that we need to really understand today. And maybe it's going to alleviate some of our concerns. Maybe it's going to alleviate some of the things that, you know, some of, uh, some of the problems that we have in saying yes to the invitation. Okay? And I think this is going to encourage us to really say yes to the invitation because the kingdom of God is like a feast. Have you guys been to a feast? To a really big banquet? Like, for example, like a wedding reception? When you guys go, do you guys, do you, do you, are you guys nervous to go? Are you guys thinking, oh, I'm not going to go, it's not going to be fun there. not going to be a lot of food there. It's going to be so sad when I go there. It's like, you're not going to a funeral. You're going to a feast. Entering the kingdom of God is like going to a feast. Why are we saying no? Why are we waiting? Why are we not putting on the clothes? You know, I love that because I just want to highlight the one, the one thing right now that really amazes me about the word of God, about, about the kingdom of God is the people of God. You, my brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And I love it because I can relate to this particular idea that the kingdom of God is like a feast. Because, you know, I see the, I see the locks here. Have you guys been to the locks? And I'm telling you, when they invite you to go to their house, you go. You don't say, well, I'm, 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 I'm watching something on that day. Like, I can't go to your house, locks. You say, yes. It's amazing. The food that they prepare, the company that they, that, 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 uh, that encourages you. The activities that they put on, amazing. It's the same thing with many of you here. You know what? That's why I look forward to our Bible studies during the week. The young couples and families Bible study. The, the, the monthly things that we do. The, the Steinbach worship service. The Philcan Bible studies. It's a party. It's amazing. Why don't we subscribe to that? Why don't we just say yes? I will be there. So, this morning, the message is clear and the message is simple. God, our Father, has prepared something really amazing for us in His kingdom. He wants us to come. He wants us to partake. But then, He holds us accountable past the time that we said yes. He holds us accountable beyond that. He wants us to be in that party wearing his son. Not our old selves, but his son. We are about to sing the song of invitation. And the song of invitation is called Just As I Am. Just as I am without a plea, but that thy love, thy blood was shed for me. And thou that thou bidst me come to thee. And this is what I want, want us to answer. To the question, will you come? As we sing this song and we sing the words, I want us to really make it resonate in our hearts. O blood, O o Lamb of God, I come. I come. That should be your response. Let us stand and sing the song of invitation.